0: Everybody say, this year I will. will. Now, the problem is many of us live with an I will mindset when we feel like it. This is not the year of I feel, so I will. This is the year of I will whether or not I feel, right? I will go to church whether I feel like it or not. I will show up to work whether I feel like it or not. I will do the right thing when I feel like it and when I don't feel like it. Everybody say, I will. Even if I don't feel, I know we're into the feelings and oftentimes church services, praise and worship, it can stir up excitement. We're kind of like this guy that we see blowing in the wind, getting all excited during worship. Yeah, you split the seed. And then when worship is over, (laughs) Monday morning, we're like, where's my worship service? And we wait for the next church service. In the next church service, we get excited. Yes! And then on Monday morning, the excitement is over. (laughs) We get pumped up with little bursts of energy, right? We watch one Instagram preaching clip. We hear one good worship song. We get excited. But then when it comes to putting in the work, doing the things we know we're supposed to do, it's kind of like... What happened to my energy? What happened to my enthusiasm? What happened to my passion? And I want to encourage you that this is a year, instead of waiting on your feelings to give you in the, the enthusiasm to do the right thing, that this year we would be fueled by a better source, that we would be fueled by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit instead of waiting on our feelings to do the right thing. Somebody say, This year I will. If you waited till you felt like doing the stuff you know you're supposed to do, you'd be waiting the rest of your life. I heard a story about this king that wanted to teach all the people in his kingdom a lesson. And he, was, he would do certain things to try to, you know, just teach them lessons that he thought were important for life. He kept hearing people complain about problems in the nation and, and asking the king to fix everything. And so he decided to try out a lesson on them. He placed a massive stone in the middle of the road right in front of his palace. And he hid behind the bushes to watch what people would do. So the first guy comes by, he's a farmer, he's got his horses, he's got his, you know, his, his stuff that he was carrying, all of his vegetables, all the stuff he was bringing into the city. He sees the big, the big stone in the middle of the road, and he starts getting mad. Who left this stone here? Somebody should move this stone. This stone, what a terrible idea. Who put this there if the city would just fix things around here? And he maneuvers around the stone, shouting at the stone but not touching it. The next guy was a soldier. He was a valiant soldier, had his sword at his side, excited to show his bravery on the battlefield. And as he was walking, he tripped over the stone, starts yelling at the stone, who put this stone here? Somebody should move this stone. When is somebody going to do something about this stone? If only the city, if only the kingdom would fix the problems in this nation. And he kept on walking, not touching the stone. Every person that passed by did the same thing, complained about the stone, pointed at the stone. Somebody should fix this problem. And finally, later that night, the king was watching as each person made excuses for why they wouldn't move the stone. This young teenage girl who had just got done working at the mill, she was walking down the path and she saw the massive stone. And it was late at night. And she didn't feel like doing any more work because she had worked all day. But since when did this teenage girl wait on her feelings to do the right thing? And she told herself, no one else has moved it, so I will move the stone because I don't want anyone else to trip over this stone in the darkness of the night. So she started to push with all of her mind and she couldn't get it to go and she started giving everything she could and finally she got to rock, to budge and it started rolling. As she started pushing, momentum started to gain in the speed of where she was pushing it and it rolled off the road. And to her surprise, underneath the stone was a box. And she lifted it up, and it was a heavy box. And the king was watching behind the bushes with delight. As she opened the box, it was full of gold. And a little note on top of the gold that said, this is the reward for whoever moves the stone. Now, when people in the town found out what had happened, they went out there and started digging to find more boxes of gold. And the king walked over to the soldier and the farmer and everyone else and said, disappointment is often the result of laziness. Who will move the stone? This is a year to move the stones that are sitting on the road. This is a year to take action on the things that you keep complaining about. You keep playing the blame game about. You keep having excuses and a pity party. And if only my parents would have done this. And if only my boss would do this. I would if I could. Someday I'll get around to it. No, this is the year of I will. This is the year to take action. Somebody say this year I will. I want to give you a scripture that God opened up to me to show me that at the end of the day, it is my choice whether or not I will live the life that he has called me to live. Listen, God cannot choose for you the incredible best days of your life. It is your choice. God can't choose for you to have joy. He gave you the gift of joy, but it's your choice to open it up. It's your choice to receive it on a daily basis. He's given us the gift to walk in freedom over addictions, but it is our choice to receive that freedom, that deliverance that he has offered to us. In 2 Peter 1, verse three, you can make some noise as you turn in your Bibles there. And if you don't have your Bible, no worries. We're gonna put it on the screen. But 2 Peter 1, verse three says this. Everything we need by the divine empowerment of God Talk about the right kind of power, the right kind of source. The divine empowerment of God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. You have everything you need to move the stones that are sitting on the path of your life this year. You have everything you need to break free of toxic thinking and toxic believing and toxic lies that you have bought into. You have everything you need by the power of God. We are not waiting on God to pour out his Holy Spirit. He already has. So when we sit around, we're like, oh God, I just wish that you would fix all my problems. God's going, I gave you a brain. I gave you two hands. I poured out my Holy Spirit 2,000 years ago on Pentecost Day with the disciples and he didn't leave. And Jesus already died on the cross for your sins and he already died on the cross for your deliverance. You've got to receive it and start believing it and start activating it. And you might be here today and go, man, Paul, you're, you're putting it all on me. No, no, no. I'm telling you that God has given you everything you need. Like it's there. The power is there. The freedom is there. The choice is yours. You are not predestined to make bad decisions in your life. We are not predestined to make good or bad. We get to choose every single day. In Deuteronomy, he said, I've set before you life or death, blessings or curses. Choose life so you might live. Now, what you choose will determine what you experience. So if you want to have your best year yet, if you want to move the stones, if you want to see the rewards that God has on the other side of your discipline, your self-control this year, the choice is yours. And you might say, well, Paul, I have the faith for it and faith is enough. But James says in James 2 verse 17, faith without action is dead. You tell me you have faith. Even the demons believe that there is a God. But faith without action, put some action behind your faith. Stop asking God to do everything for you and start putting some action behind the faith that's inside you. If you want want to walk in victory this year, what is that thing that you need to put some action behind? And I want to preach this message to you today. The title is There is No Magic Wand. There is no magic wand. Turn to someone next to you and say, There is no magic wand. There is no magic pill. There is no magic wand. There is no fairy dust. There is nothing that just waves over your life and says, it's all fixed now. You don't have to lift a finger. You don't have to do a thing. No, the choice is yours to walk in victory this year. And no one else is gonna do it for you. Your wife can't fix it. Your husband can't fix it. Your parents can't fix it. The choice is yours. 2 Kings chapter five, verse one, tells the story of a man named Naaman. Now, Naaman was a wealthy man. He was an influential man. In verse one, we see this. It says that Naaman was recognized by the king of Aram. He was recognized as a valiant soldier. He was recognized as an influential leader. He had wealth, he had power. And then at the end of verse one, it says, but he had leprosy. Everybody say, but. Everyone has a but. Everyone has a but something in their life. Get your minds out of the gutter. Everyone has a but, something that, that like, everything's going good but this one thing. But this one area needs some improvement. But this one part of your life could use some change. How many could use some improvement in at least one area of your life? Most of us in the room haven't arrived there yet. For the ones who have, we love you. God bless you, you're amazing, we wanna be like you. But for the the rest of us that that have some areas that we go, man, I could really use some improvement in my language. I could really use some improvement in my thought life. I could really use some improvement in in just waking up every day and being self-disciplined, self-control. I could really use some improvement in having patience with my coworkers, with my family members, with my classmates, with my roommates, whatever it is. This was Naaman's problem, he had leprosy. Leprosy is an internal disease that eventually becomes external. It starts on the inside. People can have leprosy for years and not know they have it. And over time, it begins to surface. Eventually, what's happening on the inside of you will start to surface. And this year, the goal is progress, not perfection. The goal is progress. How can you get better in the areas that God is calling you to get better in? Remember, no one's gonna do it for you, so you've gotta make the decision. How can you improve in areas this year that God's saying, we need to work on that area in your life. I wanna help you become more fruitful this year, but I can't do all the work for you. Let's put some action behind that faith, right? So Naaman had a desire. He wanted to be cured of leprosy, but he didn't know how. And someone told him there's a prophet in the land named Elisha. He's in the country right next to us called Israel. All you have to do is go over there and ask him to cure you and he will. So Naaman loads up his horses, takes tons of money, takes thousands of shekels of silver and gold. He thinks he's gonna buy his miracle. He thinks he's gonna buy his breakthrough. He shows up to Israel. In verse eight, he gets to the king. He tells the king, listen, I'm looking for a prophet, someone who can heal me. And and so uh, the king says, I'm the wrong guy. You need to go to Elisha the prophet. So Elisha the prophet says, send him to me. So he comes to Elisha the prophet And Elisha doesn't even come out of his house. Naaman is sitting out there in his Escalade, waiting for Elisha to come out, right, in his nice chariot, his wealthy Old Testament Escalade, right, he's got the horses, fastest horses in the nation, he's got the money, he's got the nice robe, he brought his whole wardrobe, all his clothes. And Elisha won't even come out to meet him. Elisha was a gangster, he just didn't care what anyone else thought. He's like, I'm not trying to impress you, I'm gonna be me. So Elisha sits in his house, tells his servant, he says, go and tell Naaman that he's gonna have to wash himself in the Jordan River seven times if he wants to see healing in his life. Go tell him to go wash himself. Go wash yourself. That's what he was saying. And Naaman was like, how dare you tell me the man of influence, the man of wealth, the man of authority to go wash in a dirty river seven times and that's how I'm gonna see my breakthrough. Naaman was frustrated. He was angry. But what Elisha was trying to teach Naaman, that Jesus was also teaching people in the New Testament, is that every miracle is motion activated. See, God has miracles for you, but he's saying, stretch out your hand. Go dip in the water. Take a step towards your miracle. In our bathrooms here at the church, if you were to walk up to the sink, and expect the sink to start pouring out water. It wouldn't until you put your hand right in front of the sensor because it's motion activated. So you can scream at the sink, what's wrong with this sink? Why won't it work? And everybody will be watching you going, stick your hand in front of the sensor. It's motion activated. It's motion activated. That's like going to the gym and yelling at the weights. Why won't you make me stronger? And the weights are screaming, you gotta lift us up. You got to do some push-up. You got to get on the machine and start running if you want to get in shape. Everybody say it's motion activated. There is no magic wand. In other words, no one's going to fix all the problems in your life if you won't put some action behind your faith. God is saying, hey, I love it when you sing all the songs and you get all the feelings and you're lifting your hands and shouting, but I would love it even more if you started activating that same enthusiasm on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in your workplace, at your school, start showing up on time, start studying for the test, stop praying for me to give you an A when you won't even study for your test. God God's saying, put some work towards the dreams in your heart. God, I wish that you would increase my business. Work on your business. God, I just wish that you would make me super successful this year. Put the things that God has already laid in scripture to work and watch what God will do. See, God breathes on that step of faith that you take. We walk by faith and not by sight. Faith without works is dead, so we're gonna put some action into it this year. I wanna give you five things to do this year, five things to develop this year, five areas in your life that could make an impact. And by the way, these are five areas that you have to make the decision. No one else will make the decision, so you have to. But if you do, it could change your year. It could make your year fruitful. It could make your year productive. It could make your year happy. It could make your year successful. So number one, this year, I will develop a healthy inside. I will develop a healthy inside. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that Naaman's disease started on the inside. Every addiction starts on the inside. The addiction to pornography, the addiction to drugs, the addiction to alcohol, it starts with an identity problem. Something's not enough. My dad left me when I was really little or this happened and it just hurt me so much. And to cope with the stress, I've got to have a vice. I've got to have this drug. I've got to have this drink. Every addiction starts with a thought. It starts with an identity issue. Every psychologist would tell you the same thing. Something on the inside has to change in order for the external to change. You wanna change your life? You gotta change your mind. That's scriptural. That's not just psychology. That is scriptural. That's theology. Romans 12, verse two says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. In other words, change your life by changing your mind. Because Proverbs 23 says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Be careful how you think. The good news translation says this. Be careful how you think because how you think will shape how you live. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. This is why God doesn't spend a whole lot of time just talking so much about murder and genocide and he spends more time talking about anger and bitterness. Do not let a root of bitterness grow. Up. Why? Because murder and genocide starts as a thought of anger, bitterness starts as pride, I'm better than them. Hitler's Holocaust didn't start with Hitler putting Jews in the gas chambers. It started when Hitler started thinking in his mind, I'm better than certain people, right? It was a prideful thought that led to Hitler's insane self-destructiveness. And it's the same thing with Saul. Saul spending the last part of his life as a king, chasing a teenage boy named David, it started as a thought of jealousy. If you don't manage your mind, your life is gonna end up in the wrong place. And you will blame it on everyone else. And God says, I gave you the power to manage your thoughts. God, I just wish that you would manage my thoughts. God's saying, no, 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 I gave you a brain. You get to choose what thoughts you're gonna think on. Well, the devil's in control. The devil can't control your mind. He wants to, but he can't. He will tempt you with fantasies. And you might be thinking, well, it's just a thought. It's just a little fantasy That fantasy will eventually become a fruit in your life. What you think on, you will eventually act on. This is why it's important to watch what you are thinking about. And it is a battle on the inside. How many of you feel that battle on the inside of wanting to do the right thing and yet feeling the temptation of your flesh wanting to do the wrong thing, right? You're on the Daniel fast right now, or maybe you're you're giving up certain foods and you're driving down the road and your mind starts to wander towards daylight donuts. You see Mazios, Rib Crib. Then you get to Krispy Kreme, and the light is flashing. And your mind is like, don't do it. There's a war going on in the inside. The good me, the, the me that's trying to be healthy, the me that's trying to be disciplined this year is saying, don't. Do it, Paul. Don't you can do it, you can conquer that. And the flesh is going, Come on, come on, let's do it, let's have some fun. You earned it, you deserve it. You're stra- you should just give in. You have power to say no. And your no this year is so much even more important than your yes. Say no to the things that are hurting your destiny. Take control of your mind. An unmanaged mind leads to chaos and tension. A managed mind leads to tranquility and peace. An unmanaged mind leads to conflict, but a managed mind leads to confidence. An unmanaged mind leads to jealousy and envy and comparison, but a managed mind leads to being authentically embracing who God has made you to be and being able to celebrate others and their gifts and talents. So to manage your mind this year, you've got to feed your mind, you've got to free your mind, and you've got to focus your mind. You've got to feed your mind the word of God. If I'm going to get stronger this year spiritually on the inside, healthier, I've got to feed my mind the right thoughts. I've gotta put time in and focus on God's word. I've gotta free my mind of toxic, addictive behaviors, lies in my mind that says this is how it's always gonna be. You can't get out, I've gotta stop listening to the devil. So one of the things I do is I, I will listen to scripture, I will listen to preachers just helping me renew my mind. And this last week I sat down with our worship team, Timmy Rise, I said, let's make a track of some preaching from this series, This Year I Will, and let's put some music to it, some original music, and let's give people something they can listen to to get their minds focused. So we release on Friday a new track just for you online, free, and uh, if you want it in your car, if you want a CD, you can get it in the bookstore, but I wanna show you just a clip of that to get your mind focused this year to have an I Will mindset. Check this out. This year I will. Not I might, not I should. No, this year I will be who God has made me to be. No more excuses, no more pity parties, no more feeling sorry for myself, no more buying the lie that I can't, no more listening to the devil who says that I'm not good enough. No, this year I will. Will be who God made me to be and I will do what God has called me to do. I'm tired of sitting on the sidelines watching other people fulfill their dreams. This is my year. My passion is my job. My joy is my job. I will not delegate the responsibility of showing up and putting in the hard work on someone else to motivate me. No, this year I will be motivated by the word that God has already spoken. I am more than the year of I should. This is not the year of I could. No, this is the year of I will. I will work harder. I will work smarter. I will run faster. I will study harder. I will practice longer. I will show up on the rainy days and on the sunny days. I will work when I feel like it and work when I don't feel like it. This is not the year of random living. This is not the year of hoping for luck or hoping that by chance I might end up in the right place. No, this is the year of intentional action. I intend to do what God has called me to do. I intend to be who God has made me to be. So I will work harder. I will take responsibility for my behavior, for my lifestyle, for my language, for my actions. Today starts now. Seize the day. I can't change yesterday and I can't control tomorrow, but today is a gift and that's why we call it the present. I'm going to open up this present and I will make the most of it. I will carpe diem. I will seize the day. It starts right here and it starts right now. If not me, then who? If not here, then where? If not now, then when? Stop making excuses. Stop saying you can't. Stop listening to the lies of the devil who says that you don't have what it takes because with Christ, you do. With Christ inside you, you can do anything he's called you to do. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is too hard. Nothing is too difficult. You have the power of God inside you. Resurrection power gives you life this day. Don't wait for tomorrow. Don't hope for tomorrow. Don't say, I'll get around to it tomorrow. No, start today. Start with the small stuff. Start being faithful in the thing that he's given you right here and right now. This year, I will not controlled by my feelings i am not a slave to my feelings no i am not mastered by how i feel i have self control i am disciplined So this year I will take responsibility. The buck stops with me. I will seek God this year and I will grow spiritually. I will show up this year to where God has called me to be. This year I will take action. I am a decisive person. This year I will choose a great attitude daily. This year I will greet every day with a forgiving spirit. This year I will be faithful in the small things and in the big things. This year, I will succeed because God is with me. God is for me. God is in me. God is on my side. So the devil can't stop me, and no other enemy can stop me, and the inner me can't stop me. This year, I will. Come on, somebody say, this year I will. It starts between the ears. You've got to win between the ears. Develop a healthy inside. Number two, develop divine disciplines this year. Divine disciplines. Elisha told Naaman, you've got to dip seven times. It's not gonna happen instantaneously. It's not gonna happen the first time. It's not gonna happen the second time. I went to the gym, I worked out twice, and I still haven't seen the muscles show up. I've been on this fast for two days, and I still haven't felt a breakthrough. I've been, I've been showing up to church two weeks now and I still haven't felt spiritual transformation. Listen, you've got to keep doing it. Discipline is a process. It, it requires intentional living, intentional action. I'm going to show up every week. I'm going to read my Bible. So some divine disciplines that could change your life this year is reading your Bible. We have equipped us as a church with a Bible reading plan that you could finish the Bible in a year. On our Victory app, you can actually hit play and it will read the Bible to you. You got to listen to it. Now, you could also read the Bible yourself. You could read it on your phone. You could read it, in your paper Bible. But I would encourage you that discipline right there could change your life this year. When you get the Word of God inside you every single day, Psalms, Proverbs, the Gospels, the Pauline Epistles, the Old Testament books, right? There's stories in there, principles in there that could change your life. Prayer this year is a discipline that all of us should uh, uh, make in our life that every day I'm going to pray, not just when I'm in a crisis, but before the crisis. I'm going to develop a prayer life this year. No one else can do it for you. I can't build your prayer life, but you can. Pray in the spirit. Pray in your known language. Pray even when you feel like I got nothing to pray for. Start developing that desire. Lord, I'm gonna pray on the way to work. I'm gonna take a few minutes and I'm just gonna pray for my day. I'm gonna pray for my future. I'm gonna pray for my family members. I'm gonna pray for my church. I'm gonna pray for my president. I'm gonna pray for our nation. I'm gonna pray for our community. I'm gonna pray that this year I will have wisdom, that I will make the right decisions. Prayer can change your life. Everybody say, develop disciplines. It takes time. Zechariah 4 verse 10 says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Start small. Start with praying a little bit. Start with reading your word. Start with getting to church every single week. And when you're out of town, when you're working out of town or on vacation, tuning in online, there is no magic wand. Nothing just happens. No one else is gonna do it for you. You've got to make that discipline happen yourself. Number three, develop divine experimentation. Now, this is one I get excited about. It's a little weird and quirky, but I kept thinking this word about the word experiment and how the world, society has made this word like a dark and dirty term. Like, oh, I experimented in college. Thank God I'm done with the experimenting phase. You know, I need to get out of that experimental phase. As if experimenting can only happen when you're doing something illegal or unethical or wrong or dark. But what what if we started using that term, reclaiming that term for a divine purpose? If you've never taken a fast in your life, if you've never given something up, why don't you experiment this year with a fast? If you've never gone on a missions trip, why don't you experiment going on a missions trip? What's gonna happen? That's kind of risky, Paul, getting out of my comfort zone, going on a missions trip. I don't know if that experiment's gonna have the best results. My hypothesis is telling me I shouldn't do it. Why not try? The Bible is full of people who experimented taking a risk, doing God's will. I love the story in 1 Samuel fourteen six, where Jonathan leans over to his armor bearer, and he says, if we stay here, we're gonna die, because we're surrounded by the enemies. But perhaps God will act if we show up. If we climb this mountain and see what's on top and attack the enemy, who's to know that God might show up if we just take the risk? Everybody say, take a risk. I believe there are risks that God is calling us to take this year, even in our gifts and our abilities. I remember when I took the risk to play the guitar. I didn't own a guitar; I had to borrow a guitar to learn it. And I remember going to take lessons with a guy named Brian. And Brian started teaching me to play the guitar. And um, I, I learned one chord, E. And he said, "Just keep practicing. Just keep, keep practicing." And he said try some things out as, as, as you're practicing it. Just see what other chords you could come up with. So as I started learning, I started trying out other chords he was teaching me. And he said, you know, try experimenting singing with the guitar. And at first it was really hard because I, I couldn't figure it out. I was like, ah, ah, you know, and, and he said, just experiment, keep on trying, keep on risking, see what happens. So I started singing the first song on the guitar. I said, that's amazing, I learned four chords. That's as good as it gets. He goes, there's more, everybody say there's more. I met someone this last week who's 75 years old in our church, and she said, I've always wanted to learn how to play the piano, and I blamed it on my parents that they didn't pay for me to take lessons. And she said, I just have have kept that excuse that I should have learned it when I was younger. I'm too old to learn something new. And then she said, as I was listening to your message today, I decided I have the money now to go pay for lessons. I'm going to go learn how to play the piano this year at the age of 75 because you're never too old to learn something new. I had another person come to me who said, Paul, every time I go overseas, I get frustrated because I only know one language. And they said, when I was younger, when I was in school, I didn't learn Spanish, I didn't learn French, I didn't learn any language, I didn't go to one of those schools where they teach another language. And they said, I've been making the excuse every year that this is the language I'm stuck with and I'll never learn something new. But they said, because I've been listening to these messages, that I actually have the power of choice. And it is up to me whether I stay in the gifts and the talents that I have, or if I develop them, if I multiply them, if I learn some new things. So I've decided to learn Spanish this year. Come on, this is a year to learn some new things. This is a year to multiply your gifts. So I started playing with my my guitar and seeing, you know, what other chords I could figure out and I thought maybe this morning I would experiment a little with y'all is that okay and um, I've been doing it in the other services just kind of seeing what would happen what if we sang I could sing of your love forever with some different chords what if the four chords we've always played it on aren't the only four chords that we could sing it to the world does this all the time they do remixes they do mashups. And if the world can experiment with technology and entertainment and movies and music and genres, why can't the church? Why can't the church be the forefront leaders of coming up with new ideas? If Steve Jobs can experiment with stuff and Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates, and if Carlos Santana can do all the cool stuff on the guitar and Dave Matthews, right? Or John Mayer or Leonard Skinner, or Van Halen or everyone, why can't the church come up with some new ways to do some new music To come up with some new beats, come on, Eminem hasn't figured it all out. I'm ready for NF to come up with some new stuff, come on, Lecrae. But I'm telling you right now, there's gifts, there's talents, there's ideas that the church hasn't tapped into yet. So I could sing of your love forever, 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 forever. You're like, that's not how it goes. (laughs) Come on, we're just experimenting. I'm saying is there's new ways to do stuff. Let's not get stuck in the same four chords and think that God stopped creating new God never did a miracle the same way with one guy he spit in his eyes with another guy he put mud on his eyes with one guy he said get up from your mat." with another guy he's casting listen there are new ways to do your job. There are new things to learn there are new things to grow in spiritually. You are not born with caps. You are not born with limitations. You are born to take the limits off the same creative creator that made the universe made you in his image so I dare you this year to experiment to learn a new language to learn an instrument you're never too old to learn something new the oldest member in our church she's 101 she came up to me last week she said I've been trying to write a book for 80 years (laughs) and she said I've been procrastinating I've been putting it off and this sermon has lit a fire this year. I will write that book. My first, it's coming out. Come on, we're going to sell it in the bookstore. Who knows what's on the other side of you stepping out, taking a risk this year, go on a missions trip, take a fast this year, learn an instrument, learn a new language, go back to school. Stop thinking that you've arrived at the best version of who God's made you to be. There's more, there's so much more potential. There's so much more gifts and talents and ideas. And number four, develop divine focus. Develop divine focus. Now this could feel like an oxymoron to the previous point. That's a big word. In other words, I said experiment, but now stay focused. Try out new things, but now stay focused, set boundaries. So what I'm saying is try out new things in the areas that are most important for your destiny. Right, try out new things in the area in your life that you are believing for more fruit, more harvest. So spiritually, this year, try out some new things. If you've never read your Bible through, but be focused this year in the new things that you're gonna try out, set boundaries. In the Bible, there were many people that um, lived a life without boundaries and it led to a lot of scatterbrained living and a lot of mistakes. But then there were people that had boundaries. They, they said no to certain things so that they could say yes to the best thing for their life. Proverbs 4 verse 27 says, keep your eyes laser focused. Keep them straight ahead. Don't look to the left or to the right. There was a guy in the Bible named Nehemiah who was tasked with helping Israel rebuild. They had gone through a very difficult season. And in the rebuilding process, people came up to him in Nehemiah 6 and they said, come down from the work. Stop working for Israel. Stop trying to fix things around here. Let someone else do it. There's other things you should do. And Nehemiah said in verse 3, I am doing a great work and I will not come down. I am doing a great work this year and I will not come down. I have some areas that I am focused on this year. So if someone's like, hey, Paul, you should come over here and you should, you know, focus on playing the drums. I am not called to play the drums. It would be a waste of my time, my energy, my talent, my focus. This year, I am called to be a great father. I'm called to be a great pastor. I'm called to be a great husband. I am called to be a great man of God. And I'm called to develop some gifts that God has put on the inside of me. And I'm gonna try some new ways to do it. But if you say yes to every opportunity, yes to every event, every activity, you're saying no to someone in your life that needs you. Like if you keep saying yes to all the extra overtime hours and you say no to spending time with your kids, with your spouse, something's gonna suffer. I would rather be a private success and public failure than be a public success and a private failure. Which means that I'm gonna have to set some boundaries. It means I'm gonna let some people down. We need to develop the ministry of no. Hey, would you come and do this? I know you were gonna spend time with your kids, but would you come and do this? No. No, I, I, I've committed to doing this with my family. I've, I've got to see fruit this year in this area. Come on, Paul, we really need you to just forsake your family and come and just get you know, lay it all on the altar to minister to everyone else and don't minister to your kids. No one else is gonna disciple my boys like I can as their dad. So by saying, no, I'm not being mean. I'm, I'm choosing a focus this year. Hey, you should give up going to church. You should just join our soccer club. Skip church every Sunday for six months. Just go back, you know, come back around at Christmas time. No, I'm doing a great work. I'll play soccer on Monday nights, but I'm doing a great work and I cannot, I've got to get to church on Sunday. Hey, you should give up spending time with your spouse. Someone in the office is flirting with you and you're a married man. You should look at the picture of your wife in your wallet. And if you don't have one, get one in there. Pull it up on your phone, put it on your desk. Point at it and say, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down, miss. If a guy's flirting with you and you're a married woman, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down, mister. I am focused on the areas that God has called me to be fruitful in this year. You will not be fruitful if you are not faithful. So I've gotta be faithful in focused areas. Where do you wanna be fruitful this year? Choose your fruit. Choose the area that you wanna see your greatest impact and focus on it. Get laser focused on that and try out new ways to do it. Do the love dare. Do something to get your marriage spicy again. You know, it's just not like it used to be. Well, put some work in it. The grass is only greener on the other side because you stopped watering your yard. You gotta put some focus on it. Am I preaching too much truth today? The Bible says you will know the truth and it will set you free. And it might hurt you a little bit, but it's gonna set you free. I added that part because some people get offended by the truth. Some people just want candy sermons, but we're on a Daniel fast. I gotta give you veggies today. I gotta give you broccoli. I gotta give you the kale green salad today. Some raisins, some nuts, some good stuff. Number five, final point right here. Develop divine empowerment. Develop divine empowerment. Empowerment is a gift, but it must be developed. Empowerment has been given. The Bible says that we are equipped for every good work. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do what God has called us to do. But God won't do it for you. You've gotta move the rock, but as you start to push, the Holy Spirit's gonna breathe on your work. The Holy Spirit's, and the Bible says, work as if you were working unto the Lord, Colossians 3.23. So if you will show up and just put in effort in the areas that you wanna see victory in. There was a guy who uh, was addicted to cigarettes, and he became addicted when he was 15 years old, started smoking. By the time he was 25, he was smoking three packs a day. And he started doing that all the way into his 40s for 15 plus years, three packs a day, every single day, never took a day off. And he heard a sermon like this, and he had been praying, his family had been praying, oh Lord, set him free from cigarette smoking, set him free from the addiction. He'd been praying, oh God, would you fix this problem? Would you set me free? Would you make the decision for me to stop smoking? And finally it dawned on him, I have the power to choose some healthy habits this year. So he started, every time he pulled out a cigarette pack, He said, I'm gonna put some action behind my faith. I'm gonna stop asking God to do it all, and I'm gonna start just putting some effort. So he would pull three cigarettes out of the pack when he opened it up, and he'd throw those three in the trash can. He started doing that with every pack. After two months, he realized, I don't miss those other three cigarettes. I'm gonna double the dosage. So he started pulling six out. Every time he pulled a pack out, he'd pull out six, throw them in the trash can. He got to the point where he stopped buying that third pack. Now he was down to two. Then he got down to one. Today, he has been free from smoking for eight years. He has not smoked a cigarette. And it was a process. It was developing divine empowerment. He said, the more I chose what I knew I needed to choose, the more the momentum showed up. As you start to push the rock, there's momentum. There's a breath of the Holy Spirit as you just make the decision. So so apply that in whatever area you're in. There's a guy in this service right now, a friend of mine, Eric, who showed up to church last year during the St. Paul series. He came on the Sunday when all the electricity went out. That was his first time to church. How many of y'all remember that? I was preaching on a megaphone. We we didn't have any sound system. We were all holding up our phones as flashlights. And um, he thought that's how church was every single week. And he realized that we have electricity now, normally. And, um, but he said something sparked on the inside of him. He said, my dad had left me when I was three years old, left, left me and my mom, and just over time developed unhealthy addictions. You see, when you're facing stress and hurts and wounds and you don't deal with it, you start looking for vices to supplement those feelings of, of hurt and frustration. Why did he leave? And and, and and I understand that because I've been there before. You start trying to find something to fill the void, even though you know Christ, you know Jesus. You go to church, and over time, he had developed an addiction to alcohol and. And, and over time, it had just become so intense in his life. He was losing everything around him. Everything was going downhill. But that Sunday, something sparked on the inside of him. And this past year, he broke free from the addiction to alcohol. He has not gone back to it since July of 2018. He found the girl of his dreams at Victory. They got married this year. Late fall, they're here in the church, they're they're involved. Listen, what I'm trying to tell you is there is power as you choose to develop the empowerment that God has given you. So as Naaman started dipping in the river, he started tapping into the power. After three times, after four times, there was momentum building. There was a source of building going on on the inside. By the seventh time, he was tapping into the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. His healing was coming. The Bible says you will have resurrection power. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. So in 2019, there might be some things that come against you. It may not be a perfect year, but when you are connected to the source of power, you keep getting back up. Nothing can stop you. No one can break you. No one can change your attitude. You have a made up mind. This year, I will keep getting back up. This year, I will keep showing up. This year, I will choose to take responsibility. This year, I'm breaking out of my capacity. This year, I'm developing every gift he's put inside of me. Though a righteous man may fall seven times, he will get back up this year. Come on, stand to your feet all over this place. This is the year to develop divine empowerment, to tap into the source. This is the year to tap into consistent energy. Consistency brings the breakthrough. Showing up every week, reading your Bible, praying, putting in the discipline, putting in the effort, it won't be easy. There will be days where it is freezing cold. There will be days where it is rainy. There will be days where you just wanna binge on Netflix. There will be days where you just wanna hold on to the bitterness. There will be days where you will want to choose laziness over self-control. And yet, the choice is yours no one can choose it for you. But David in the Bible said, I've made up my mind. I've made up my mind. I've decided I'm not going back to who I used to be. I've decided I'm not looking back at Sodom and Gomorrah. I've decided that I'm done with my past. I've decided that I'm going to step into what God has called me to do. I've decided to embrace victory for my life. I've decided to stop playing the blame game. I've decided to stop playing the victim. I've decided to become a victor this year. I've decided to become more than a conqueror this year. I've decided to let greater is he who is in me that, and then he that is in the world become a reality in my life. That, that God is bigger than my problems. God is greater than my desires. God is greater than my addictions. But I've got to choose every single day to open up that gift of empowerment and start moving those rocks that are in the way I'm gonna stop complaining about it. And I'm gonna stop making excuses. I'm gonna stop waiting for someone else to fix my problems. I'm gonna make the decision. I opened up an envelope this week that was placed on my desk and everything inside of it was anonymous. There were no names written down on the papers, but it was prayer cards from children in Victory Children's Church, Victory Kids. Again, there were no names, so I don't know who it was. I don't know their parents, but the prayers broke my heart because kids were praying Lord, I just pray that mommy and daddy would stop fighting at home. Lord, I just pray that my dad would treat my mom right. Lord, I just wish that you'd take the protective order off my dad. Lord, I just wish that my family would see the hard work that my mom's putting in because she's exhausted. Lord, I just wish that that my family would be free from depression. One kid said, my dad died this past year and our family's been so depressed. There's not been any joy or laughter in our house. Each prayer from each kid was just more and more showing me the condition of our flock. And then there was another envelope of anonymous cards of a class in our church that helps people break free of addictions. And and again, I don't know the names, I don't know who it is, but the condition of our flock, I started reading these cards of what people are dealing with. And so many of them are addicted to sexual sin and addicted to pornography or addicted to drugs or addicted to, to, to pills, addicted to certain things. And holding on to hurts and wounds and i started realizing how important it is to hear this message because there is no magic wand my friends and if you're waiting on god to do it all for you you'll be waiting the rest of your life no one else is coming he already came stop waiting on another savior the savior already came he showed up two thousand years ago he paid the price for your freedom he paid the price for your deliverance Stop waiting on another Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit already showed up. He's here. He's waiting for you to tap into that power. The choice is yours. No one else can choose it for you. But if you choose it, it could change your family. It could save your kids. It could save your future kids. It could save a legacy that God has laid out for you.